folks, do you feel like everything these days is go, go, go? It's nonstop from work to friends to family and a million pressing issues. Sometimes you just need to take a playoff and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. Hey, it's that time of year in Minnesota again to get out on the lake, go to the cabin, sit back, watch some baseball. Coors Light is the perfect refreshment to chill during these summer months. There's only one beer out there that's made to chill. The mountains on the bottles and cans turn blue when your beer is cold, and that way you know it's time to chill. Hit that reset button with some mountain cold refreshment. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Coors Light is the one you should choose when you need to unwind. When you want to hit the reset button, reach for the beer that is made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. In 2003, Nike signed 13-year-old Freddie Adu to a seven-figure contract. But Freddie didn't live up to the hype. He has turned down every single documentary project looking closely at the details of his career. Until now. People are going to look at everything you did because of the hype surrounding your arrival and what they think you can be. I'm Grant Wall, and this is American Prodigy, Freddie Adu, from Blue Wire Podcasts. Welcome to the Vikings-Carolina Panthers preview episode, kind of, but we also might just joke about stuff the whole time. Matthew Collar from the Pioneer Press making his debut appearance. Dane Mizutani, what's up, Dane? How you doing, Collar? I'm doing okay. Um, So I don't know where you want to start with this game. I think let's begin with does it matter at all? Because here's my sense for how Vikings fans feel. After the loss to Dallas, That was that. People went right back to, like, Zach Wilson going to drop in the draft? (laughs) I mean, just, like, the snap of the fingers. Okay, the magical three-game ride is over. Oh, Teddy's coming to town. That's fantastic. But no one can go to the stadium, so I guess I'll watch on TV. Like, I think – and you qualify as one of the more cynical media members, uh, I would say. But I think that for – a lot of Vikings fans from now on, it's more or less, what is Justin Jefferson going to do and where are they going to draft? Uh, can you tell me that I am incorrect in my assessment? No, and and here's why. Because, look, the Vikings can win the next two games. They probably should win the next two games. They'll be back to 500. Uh, of course, the way this season's gone, maybe then – like games have been canceled by then. The NFL's added an eighth playoff spot. The Vikings are actually in contention for a playoff spot. But I, I, I don't think fans will really care truly because, and I, I hate to pile on because he was actually pretty good last week, but it, it's just another reminder that like you don't have that guy who's going to lead you to the promised land when it, it's a quarterback league and, and you need a guy who's going to be able to get the ball back with two minutes left and at least tie the game. You don't have to win the game. But last week, for as bad as the Vikings were, and I guess for as good as Kirk Cousins was for most of the game, he got the ball back, down three, with a minute 47 left, and and went four yards, and then threw basically threw the ball away on fourth down. Didn't even really give his guy a chance. Just threw it away, hug, you know, hug it up in the air. And But that's another reminder that he's not the guy, and I think that's, like, you're right. 
like this game against the Panthers, I think more Vikings fans are probably cheering for a loss because it means you're one step closer to getting that guy out from under center. And I also think that it means that Teddy Bridgewater will have beaten them. And there are a lot of people who will look at Teddy Bridgewater on Sunday and say, I wish that was still the quarterback of the Minnesota Vikings. And I think a lot of those people are in the building as well, (laughs) judging about how nobody hesitated to tell us how much they enjoyed Teddy Bridgewater as a Minnesota Viking this week. And even when I asked the defensive coordinators about Teddy Bridgewater and his sort of clutch history was really good in those late situations as a Viking. And they went on and on about how he's a winner and that's just what's inside his heart and all those different things. And it felt like who also might you be talking about when I'm asking this a little bit, a little bit of shade there. Maybe I asked it about Teddy. I'm not sure you guys are entirely talking about Teddy. Now, let me say this. I kind of went off in the post game about how, They extended a quarterback who could have great games like this, but they can't expect to carry a franchise. And that is not on Kirk Cousins for signing a very lucrative and well-structured contract. And that if you are putting him in those situations all the time by not getting stops on defense or fumbling the ball uh, when he throws you a pass like Dalvin Cook did or dropping a pass like Justin Jefferson did, then I don't know what more – Kirk Cousins is actually capable of. But let me tell you where I've kind of come around on this is I get it with the fan frustration, though, because it's not just one game. It's all it's it's a bunch of games. It's the team not trusting him to pass when it gets to the end of the Seahawks game and they run it up the middle for no yards instead. It's all the games from 2018 where it was close. It's all the games from 2019 and sort of a slap across the face to like, ah, there's your quarterback. Couldn't do it again. So I get it. Like I, I was looking at it as an individual game, but a, after a week of talking about it with people, I, I understand much more where fans are coming from with their frustration of the end of that game. Yeah. And it's not, yeah. You look at that game. Like if you knew nothing about Kirk cousins, like you were an alien who got, you know, placed, placed on earth last week, Sunday, you would have watched him play and been like, this guy's pretty good. Like that was a, you know, that was an unfortunate drop at the end. Who knows if that guy catches the ball, you know, if Jefferson catches the ball, maybe they march down the field. But my thing is, like, it's not against the rules for Kirk Cousins to make a play after that, right? Like, everyone who apologized for him on Twitter or, you know, whatever, social media, like, they're like, oh, that Jefferson drop was huge. Like, never mind the dude made, like, an incredible catch earlier in the game, like, consistently burns his guy, like, caught the touchdown, that good throw by Kirk, but – Jefferson blew his guy off the line for that bomb touchdown in in, in the fourth quarter. Like we want to blame all of that, you know, their shortcomings in the final drive on Jefferson. Like it was second down. I mean, Kirk had two downs to get six yards against a shell defense. Like the Cowboys were saying here, take yards. It's what, it's what defenses do late in the game. And he, and he couldn't get six yards. Like, and that, like you said, that's more of a, you know, an indication of kind of who he is. And that's more of a reflection of who he's been throughout his career and who he's going to continue to be for the next couple of years here. Because like you said, he has that long extension, lofty money extension, just he's going to be here for a while. So let me ask you this. What do you think 
that fans have to live for over these next couple of weeks because because the way that you just laid it out, it feels so bleak. And I can't tell you that you're wrong when you say like, oh, well, this is the quarterback you're locked into and this is kind of how it's going to go for your future. And, oh, yeah, by the way, there's still like a bunch of games left to be played this year. You're not entirely out of it. You're not entirely into it. It's kind of the worst case scenario. So what? And uh, I don't think that we can say Hercules Mata Alpha, Dane. I know that uh, you have an appreciation for him, but I, I don't think we could put him on the list. So what are, what are they supposed to watch the rest of the season for? No one's going out and doing anything. They've got to watch football. Yeah, I think, and dare I say it, because the more wins you get, the further away you get from probably a franchise quarterback. Like, you probably – have a chance at Zach Wilson still if you you don't have a chance at Fields or Lawrence um, the Jaguars and the Jets are just too bad but Wilson's fun he has a hell of an arm and you know can actually navigate in the pocket scramble outside of it unlike some people who are under center now but, but I think if you're a Vikings fan you probably just hope to get to the playoffs I don't know like don't you just probably hope for wins at this point because you're you're gonna win the next two games. Like, I guess I could see Teddy beating the Vikings this weekend, um, and I guess you can. Kirk's always apt to lay an egg here and there, but you would assume they win the next two games, and at that point, you're too far away at six and six from from Zach Wilson range. Then you just hope for the playoffs. I think I don't know. I mean, and just maybe you can win another game here, and probably saves everyone's job in the building, but if you win the next two games, do you just hope they lose out then and they finish six and 10? Like at that point you would want them to just win out. Like, I don't know. Right. Because the drafts, I mean, picking 12th or picking 16th, like it's what's, no the, different. what's yeah. the difference? Right. I mean, there's probably not that much now drafting. If you're not drafting in the top five to seven, you're probably not getting a franchise changing player. That's where all the very elite type of talents are. And the quarterbacks that you mentioned, there's probably three quarterbacks going in the top five, depending on where Cincinnati ends up, that they would obviously trade out. Um, if they feel like Joe Burrow is going to come back though, I think like galaxy brain, you draft the quarterback anyway, and then trade Burrow later, but that, they probably won't do that. Yeah. So you're still talking about, you know, being in the middle of that draft. So you have no real other choice, but to just hope that they win each week. Uh, it just feels like there's a disgruntledness to this, to watching it on a weekly basis and almost where there's fans, I think, who root for Cousins to not come through at the end of those games so the organization does not get convinced, oh, yeah, this is the real version of Kirk Cousins. And here's the thing about him is that was the 32nd ranked defense, and they <laughs> yeah. lost to Washington a couple days later. And even though they were coming off of a bye, the 32nd ranked defense that you put up good numbers against. And so nothing has really changed. It's very much like how the schedule falls, how everyone else is playing, all those types of things that surround Kirk Cousins that determine your success or failure. So if you're going to go forward next year, 2022 with him, it's like, well, can he do it? I don't know, because it depends on everyone else. Right. And I guess that kind of leads into your other point. Like, I guess if you're a Vikings fan, you probably just watched these last month this last month and a half four guys like you know Dalvin's still fun Jefferson's still fun like there's still fun players on this team I guess if you just could watch the game I'll take a lineup from Kirk like if you could treat each game as its own entity like 
Yes. Then, you know, oh, we've you heard could that have many fun times. watching the Vikings, but deep down everyone knows, like, this isn't it. And, like, this isn't the team that, that's going to magically get over the hump. And this isn't the guy who's going to magically turn into someone who can win those games when he gets the ball back with two minutes. And I think that's what it comes down to. Somebody asked me in the Friday mailbag, I think it's a great question, and we will get to whether the Vikings will beat the Panthers and all that, so we'll get get there. Um, But somebody asked me a good question, I thought, which was, like, is it possible to build enough around Kirk Cousins to reach the Super Bowl? Now, I think that the answer is yes, because Jared Goff did it, Jimmy Garoppolo did it, um, it, you know, Nick Foles slash Carson Wentz, and we see that neither of them is a great quarterback. The NFC is kind of going to be open here, I think, going forward. Uh, At the same time, threading the needle is pretty tough when you are spending so much money on him. So give me me your take on that. Yeah, I think you can do it just because – like you mentioned, the guys that have done it out of the NFC, the NFC also sucks this year. Like it's, it's <laughs> really, really bad. Like, so it, yeah, but it, everything would have to break perfectly. And you probably don't want to be in a position where he has to make the play that's going to win the game. Um, but yes, I think, I think Kirk is good enough if he can avoid, you know, the catastrophic mistakes that, Sometimes he can't avoid, but I think he's good enough. He's accurate enough. Um, he's cautious enough, I guess. Like if everything broke the right way, if Dalvin continued to be probably the best running back in the league, like if you got back to a defense that was respectable and not giving up 30, 30, 31 points to Andy Dalton. Um, yeah, I guess that he's probably a guy you can piece it together with and, get to the Super Bowl. But it just feels really, really hard to believe that the Vikings are in a position to do that now because, like you said, they the defense is aging. Like, Dalvin's great. Adam Thielen's great. Justin Jefferson's great. Like, the offense is pretty good. Um, but you have so much money tied up in, in your quarterback that I don't see how you can find or build pieces that around him um, that are going to make you a viable contender again. I think your window – if you want to call it that was probably a couple seasons ago when he was, it was probably before he got there, honestly, but the first, the, the biggest window was when he signed that deal the first year and, and you didn't have to commit. You had the team you wanted and he was just supposedly the missing piece. Now you got to rebuild it around him with him making 30 plus million dollars a year. It's going to be real tough. Not to mention that your running back suddenly becomes expensive next year. Like this right. was his cheap year. That when you sign the extension, you get the first year cheap, but just like Anthony Barr, you got to pay the bill down the road, and that's what they're going to have to do with Dalvin Cook. So if he slips even a little, then that changes the math as well. And boy, are they doing everything to make sure he slips in the future. I mean, just if he dies, he dies, right? I thought that Kirk was talking about COVID. He was actually talking about (laughs) handing the ball to Dalvin Cook. If he dies, he dies. Just keep handing it to him. Um, So through the other lens on this, another kind of good question that was thrown my way is let's say this thing does go sideways the rest of the way. Let's say Teddy on Sunday 
beats them 41-16, okay? Teddy runs them out of the building. And then, I don't know, they'll beat the Jaguars no matter what. But it just doesn't go well from there. They lose to Taysom Hill. They lose at the end of the year to maybe Matt Patricia, who knows he's getting fired or something. Kyle Slaughter, maybe. Kyle (laughs) playing for? Is it Chicago? I think I think Chicago had him. I don't know if they dropped him or. Yeah, he's not important. No, most certainly is not, unless you're on some corners of the internet. Um, <laughs> but so, um, but if it goes sideways, if it goes very wrong from here on out, and they finish five and eleven or six and ten, like then what? Like, are are there implications? Do you think for coach, general manager, quarterback, whomever, or you say that they stay the course? I think. They just continue to stay the course because that's, like, what these guys do. Like, and I don't know. I think if you were going to change course, it would have been last year. Like, yeah, you did what you needed to do, but you impressively beat the Saints, but then you came up short again. And then just seemed like if you wanted to have a clean break, it was. But instead, you extended the coach, you extended the GM, and then let the GM that you extended extend the quarterback so you're kind of just tied to them. I don't know. Like, I don't think the Wilfs are just going to be like, okay, sit, you know, maybe they finish 6-10. and 10, Maybe they finish 5-11. and 11, I don't know. I don't think they're going to, say, like, clean the whole house, especially because are you going to clean house? Are you going to get rid of Steelman? Are you going to get rid of Zimmer when you're going to bring in the next guy and the next coach and they're going to be stuck with Cousins? I don't think the break is there, – there's not a clean enough break, like, right now so I think they would just run it back again and hope that oh Daniel Hunter's back and Anthony Barr's back and maybe next year will be better but I I, I don't think they're gonna I think if you're frustrated with this regime and and you're a Vikings fan that's tired with this regime sorry but I think you got it for another couple of few years I do too um 2021 is going to be a lot of pressure I think that you can give a mulligan to some extent to some people for this year, but you certainly can't if it's 2021 because you're going to try to fix other spots. You're going to draft somebody, all those things. And if you want to sell that your 2020 draft was so good, everyone gave you an A across the world, gave you an A for your draft. And for Justin Jefferson alone, you get an A. But when you look at the structure of who they pay, all their money goes to like seven guys, which means the rest has to be filled in by draft picks. Your 2016 draft is all gone. Your 2017 draft is almost all gone except for Delvin Cook. Your 2018 draft, the first two guys start, the rest are nothing. The, right. the, even the 2019 draft, we have not seen anybody who's a depth player emerge. So you really need some of those 15 guys that you picked to become serious role players. And that's, that's just tough because that's an entirely draft luck. Now, uh, switching back to Sunday, you confidently said twice that you think the Vikings will win against the Carolina Panthers. Why is that? I just think they're better, like, across the board. And, I don't know, this feels like a game. I Look, I know the Carolina Panthers' defense is a little bit better than – people give them credit for they they shut out the lions last week so they maybe they're confident but like a shutout against the lions doesn't really count um i just think this is a game where even if adam Thielen can't go like dalvin cook carries the load and like you said they're gonna they're gonna let him try they're gonna give it to him 30 times again and his legs might fall off but he's he's good enough and i think probably the defense of the carolina panthers is bad enough uh, is more so it that I think Dalvin runs wild on Sunday. 
And, you know, the, the secondary probably has a hard time with the Panthers receivers. DJ Moore's really good. Robbie Anderson's really good. Um, but I just think as a whole, the Vikings are just a step above. Um, and, yeah, maybe Kirk bounces back. It would be kind of funny if Teddy just came in and, and blew their doors off. Uh, but I just don't see that happening. Yeah, I, I also think that it's funny that both teams have four wins. Now, I know the Panthers have one more loss, but they both have four wins. And uh, for one, two of the Vikings wins came against uh, Houston and Detroit, which, oh, my gosh, never let those two teams play against each other again on Thanksgiving. Not until they're fixed. Um, Deshaun Watson was fun, but the rest of it was just so awful. Uh, and, and then who who did Washington and, and Dallas to us? Like, could you not flex that thing to the moon? Maybe. <laughs> Just, what are you doing? But the fact that the Vikings are capable of allowing other teams who have weapons to beat them, to me says, it, I think they'll win too, but I'm not super confident about it because anybody who comes in and faces the Vikings with multiple offensive weapons seems to just have their day. And they have a good offensive coordinator in Joe Brady, who I know that Mike Zimmer mentioned their yards after catch. Like He finds ways to create space with all of these playmakers, and Robbie Anderson has turned out to be a great receiver. So all Teddy Bridgewater has to do is pretty much just get rid of the ball, and then his guys can make plays. I don't think that that's a really good situation for the Vikings defense and it really told you last week I think just how many things need to change on the defense for it to be good I mean we don't know if Jeff Gladney is going to be good yet I am reserving judgment but last week wasn't great the defensive line needs to be entirely replaced like Hunter maybe he comes back I don't know about the contract situation Pierce will come back okay there's two guys you need like four more I mean every team's got a rotation now you need like four more defensive linemen so um, I think it, if you don't pressure Teddy Bridgewater at all and those guys have time to get open, that I think we're looking at the same game as against Dallas. It's okay. just going to come down to, like, who has the ball at the end or, or whatever. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I hear what you're saying because, like, you look at last week and Andy Dalton – a month ago, had so bad of a concussion that he couldn't walk off the field. Two weeks ago, had COVID, and then last week destroyed the Vikings. So, like, yeah, I I, I hear what you're saying. Um, and you look at just across the board the weapons the Panthers have. I think a big weapon that they don't have, unless McCaffrey plays this week, and it sounds like I don't know, like he's questionable now. He wasn't going to play yesterday, and. Obviously, like saying, oh, them not having Christian McCaffrey is a big loss is like, well, duh, but he's their best weapon. And maybe you just hope that, you know, Gladly, Gladney can lock into something, playing good coverage here and there. He's had a couple of good games. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Is Cameron Dantzler good? I don't know. But like, there's enough there, I think, on defense still where it's not inconceivable for me to think that they're going to get at least a few stops. And then, then I don't think the Vikings offense is going to be stopped. So, yeah. Yeah. That, I mean, for sure that I think Carolina, if they had even an average defense is probably like a six or seven win team. Their offense has been legit this year, but yeah. they've had the same problem as the Vikings. Let's, let's wrap up on, on this question for you, Dane. If you need a second to think, go ahead. Uh, what's the funniest zoom thing that's happened to us all year long? Because, We have spent, when did we start doing this? Like June, where Uh we were just on Zoom calls and Zoom calls and Zoom calls. And even to today, 
more Zoom calls um, because we're not allowed in the locker room because of COVID. You guys all know that. So the funniest thing to happen on a Zoom call. I have two. Um, and then maybe you be the judge, which one, which one is funnier. Okay. Training camp, you know, months ago when actually shout out to the Vikings PR. Cause they got us pretty much everyone on the roster. Mm-hmm. We couldn't go in the locker room. We talked to everyone. We talked to players that I, I don't have any will to talk to again, <laughs> but, but like we talked to everyone. Yes. And we talked to Kennedy Polamalu at one point running backs coach. Nobody requested him. <laughs> and he sat down. PR's like, all right, Kennedy's up. And, like, two people ask questions, like, not, like so he, like, feels like it, we're not wasting his time. And then, like, it goes dead silent. And Kennedy Polamal is like, what is this? <laughs> like, <laughs> that was funny because that was, like, I don't know, this was, like, very 2020 of us to, like, be talking to a coach we never would have talked to on a video call and then like being so burned out by that point of talking to strangers and being like I don't want to talk to this guy either nobody <laughs> even like was like yes nobody asked like a third question to like didn't he say like, this is awkward like I think he actually said the words yeah, this is awkward because it was like yeah, I don't know like a lot of so, that was a, a highlight, a low light. I don't know what you want to say. I think it was a highlight. It was I funny. think it's a highlight. And I think he'll never forget it. Yeah, and and maybe he was sad at the time because <laughs> nobody wanted to talk to him. But I think Kennedy will look back in twenty twenty. <laughs> maybe he was, was sad at the time. Um, What's your other one? Last week after yeah. the game, like no doubt. Um, I don't know. Like I don't think it made it onto like the periscopes that the Vikings are allowed to like live stream i think the, the shout out to the videographer like cut off early enough so like have you talked about this on the podcast or not? Uh, no i have not mentioned it so right. you could tell the story i'll just tell the story your, um you have a connection so uh, yeah. you could tell it however you want to tell it well my favorite actually i don't even need you to vote this was the best moment of Zoom. like <laughs> the, the pull of thing's a nice runner up but like when when the vikings pr says time for two more you know it means time for two more. They're going to cut, and Zimmer knows it means time for two more. He's going to take the headset off immediately. So time for two more comes up after the game. Zimmer gets one question asked. I forget what it was. It wasn't probably important. Um, he was really, really upset after the game, didn't give much. Um, so everyone on the Zoom knows. It's like, okay, this is the last one. Make good. Uh, well, my editor, John Shipley, who hadn't been on the zoom at all and decides that this was the time he wants to turn his video on because he was trying to call him. And to be fair to him, like he had time to ask the question and probably thought like, all right, cool. Like I'll let the beat writers ask their questions. I'll let everyone go. And then I'll ask last. So John turns his video on, gets ready to, to, you know, ask his question and, as he's asking, everyone else was like probably run out of things to say or knew John was going to go. Chris Thomason, my guy, comes on and barrels in and asks about the long snapper. <laughs> and uh, you know, it's, the long snapper. it's always the long snapper with his. I mean, it's he, unbelievable. It's the, long the long snapper comes up. But asks about, <laughs> I don't even know what the guy's name is, Andrew DePaulo or something, DePaulo. And that's Zimmer. Is Andrew the, the the guy moving forward? Zimmer 
knowing it's his last question, says, I don't know, takes the headset off. And John Shipley tries to get Zimmer's attention, but Zimmer can't hear him at that point because the headset's off. Hey, Mike, can you – and drops a god damn it on the screen. <laughs> Everyone hears it. Like, does it get more 2020 than that? That's, no, no. It's perfect. That you can, first, that we're on the Zoom. Second, that my colleague interrupts my boss, and then my <laughs> boss swears on the Zoom for everyone to hear. Like, we're repping at the Pioneer Press. And it also, because all of us have it on our computers, it, it kind of echoes out through, like, the empty <laughs> stadium. So it's just like, you know – like a yeah him him saying it loud and clear and then echoing through the stadiums just it was just absolutely perfect i mean on a daily basis funny stuff happens yeah. um i think uh, gary kubiak being informed by <clears throat> me that there is a documentary <laughs> about brett jones and him looking bewildered as like wait there's a documentary rightfully about so there is man <laughs> there is we saw all those canadian dudes who were doing all the filming around brett jones and so yes there is and gary said i'll have to check it out and then as he was taken off the headset I was like, Brett Jones? <laughs> what? Are they messing with me? I'm like, no, there really is a documentary about Brett Jones. He's huge in Canada. <laughs> Zoom, man. It's like, it would be better to be back in the locker room. You'd get better stuff. But, like, man, there are some pretty funny moments that make you make you laugh and help you get through the year. So. I think we all thought we were going to be a little short on material. And, um we haven't been. Yeah, Let's no. just put it that it's way. Great. So, uh, Dane Mizutani, the Pioneer Press. Um, and with no hockey, you are a Vikings beat reporter yeah. this year. Normally, you'd have some hockey to work with, but not now, buddy. You're riding the rest of the way on this train, or as the excuse train, as you have called it before. <laughs> <laughs> sure, that went over great. Yeah. So, uh, anyway, uh, well, thanks, thanks for jumping on, man. This was super fun, and uh, we will not make it your last appearance on the Purple Insider Podcast. I promise. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Make sure you go to sodastick.com to get your original Minnesota sports-inspired goods, and they have a huge deal from Black Friday through Cyber Monday, 20% off the entire SodaStick website, Cash Homie. Use that promo code, and you can get 20% off everything, which also includes, for Christmas time and your holiday season, some very fun sweaters the ho ho homer dome the straight cash ho ho homie sweater and the let it skull let it skull let it skull sweater make sure you check those out go to sodastick.com that's s-o-t-a-s-t-i-c-k.com make sure you use that promo code cash homie you know where that comes from you can get 20 percent off the entire site wide go do it Thanks to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment or overbearing sports parents, fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of people will ever play professional football. But instead of entering the NFL, they've joined another league, the League of Football Watchers. This football season is much different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready every game day. No matter how you watch, whether it's me sitting in the press box at U.S. Bank Stadium, a very empty U.S. Bank Stadium, or 
if it's at home on your couch, which I've had to do this year for road games, Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power you through any game day because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. Go to madeforfootballwatching.com to check out the latest football watching content from Pepsi. Joining me on the show, it's been a little while since he has been on, former NFL wide receiver Donald Jones. What is up, Donald? I'm good, man. Thank you for having me on the show. Happy Thanksgiving. All that good stuff. Hope you ate well, because um, I surely did. The kids were, the kids are healthy. Everybody's healthy. Just trying to stay healthy out here in Jersey. That is very good. And uh, you're sitting in your car where it is 60 degrees in Jersey, so I am very jealous of you. I was not aware that New Jersey was, um, you know, like one of those nice weather places. So maybe when we're all allowed to go on vacation again, that's where I'll stop by in the winter. Um, Come on out. Come on out. I was about to go to the beach, but they shut it down. (laughs) (laughs) that's that's every that's everything everything is shut down that's how i know that you'll always have time to podcast so if you ghost me on a message (laughs) podcast then i'm gonna know like you have time you're just ghosting me um but yeah uh, yeah (laughs) so before the season you and i got together and we watched tape of justin jefferson and you know what I'm going to say that we did a pretty good job looking at all of Justin Jefferson's skills because he's turned out to be an instant star in the league. So I wanted to go over what you've seen from Justin Jefferson, sort of how what we were looking at has translated, but also kind of relitigate now the Justin Jefferson for Stefan Diggs trade. Um, I don't know how much of Jefferson you've been able to watch. I didn't send you tape grinding, but when we, um, (laughs) when, when we watched him from LSU, we saw a guy with the ball in his hands who's special. We saw a guy who made contested catches. I checked on this because I remember you asking if he played basketball in high school. He did. He's a, just a natural yeah. athlete. And it just, Donald, could not have worked out better for the Vikings. I mean, he's been like a franchise-changingly good wide receiver. When we were watching his LSU tape, did you see that? Or is this beyond what you thought he could do? When I watched... Justin Jefferson, when you watch his LSU tape, you see a guy who can make special catches down the field. You see a guy who is special with the ball in his hands. With his route running, you can see that that athleticism in him. You can see he played basketball and the way he – just his fluidity and how he runs his routes and things like that. To me, and I tweeted this the other day, there are certain players who – especially at the wide receiver position, there are certain guys who – you know, they're special with the ball in their hand, like a Jarvis Landry. Um, you see certain guys who are crazy fast that can take the top off the defense. And then you have guys that are just pure wide receivers, like a Robert Woods type of guy, and who, like a Justin Jefferson, a guy who really can just play that position, understands the defense, how to get open, where he's supposed to be, route running, everything. And that's Jeff- Justin Jefferson at such a young age. So the sky is really the limit if he can stay healthy, if he stays in a good system and a quarterback who really wants to continue to get him the ball. Now, what do you think about how he has gone to being an effective outside wide receiver when he played the slot in college? Because I think anybody who plays the slot in college 
is at a benefit because so many NFL teams use condensed sets that bring you inside. Uh, most of the great wide receivers in the league move around. Not everyone is Julio Jones who lines up outside and can beat everyone deep down the field every single play. So I think that experience of playing inside is better than being a one-dimensional outside receiver. But he basically didn't play outside receiver in all 2019, and he comes in and he's immediately good at it. I mean, how how tough from a wide receiver perspective is it to switch from inside to outside like that? I think that um, it's, it's it can be tough, but, I mean, I'd imagine that I haven't seen his high school highlights and high school tape, but I'm sure in high school he played outside, you know, and it was like he had to – he had to, he played as the X by himself and he always had to get open. I'm sure he faced double coverage and all of that stuff. Obviously, lower-level competition in high school on a, on a day-in, day-out basis, but you still understand – what a defense is trying to do to you, and you still have to fight to get open. And so now when you get into college, you move inside. I'm sure in his earlier years he might have played outside or inside or whatever just so that he can get on the field playing behind other guys. Um, and, and now they find him more in, on the inside playing in the slot just because they can utilize him the best way in there. When you have a guy who's in the slot, He's typically not facing the bump and run. You can move him around a lot and all of that stuff. But in his past previous years, I'm sure he's played outside. So now going into the league, you know, you put him inside, you put him outside, he can play anything. And that's just because, like I said, he seems to be a guy who truly understands everything that a defense is trying to do, what you're trying to do on offense. And regardless if he's playing inside or outside, he can get open. It it just doesn't really matter. And he has the speed to really push teams downfield. And and that that was the difference maker for me because a lot of times when you hear that a guy is – in the slot in college, and, and he's getting a lot of underneath passes, which he was at LSU, you go, but, I mean, is he fast? Can he really go down the field? And he comes into the NFL. I mean, he at the combine runs a 4-4, comes into the NFL, averages almost 20 yards a catch because they're going downfield with him. It's like every possible criticism of this guy in college, which wasn't that many, but every every concern of him coming out has just turned out to be not a thing. There were some analysts who said, well, I'm not sure if his releases will get him off the line of scrimmage and I sent you one of his releases and he kind of does the same one every time but it works I mean it's just he's always been able to get open I think that those technical elements can even grow because he's doing the couple of things that work now but there's a lot more to learn as he goes forward yeah I mean he's, he's definitely gonna have to learn some more release moves as he moves forward I mean teams will start to key in the 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 DBs will start to key in on what he's doing in terms of his release moves, all of that stuff. So you got to be able to counter what they're doing to you and then counter that and counter that. you got to have a bunch of moves in your, in your back pocket. Um, right now it's working for him, so keep on doing it. Don't broke was, you know, if it's, I mean, don't fix what's not broken. Um, I think, though, when you, when you look at him, when you look at this offense, they're going to continue to, like, they're going to move him around and do a lot more things moving forward so that he's not even facing that much bump and run coverage and things like that. I mean, teams are going to – because teams will start to try and key in on him. So now you got to put him in the slot. you got to move him in motion, put him in bunch and stack formations and all of that stuff so that he's not getting bumped and he can continue to get open. <laughs> My issue with analysts, a lot of these guys haven't played football, you know, and so what happens is you get placed in a certain box even sometimes by coaches, just because 
this is how they want to utilize you. And throughout the course of the season, this is how they utilize you. But that doesn't mean that I can't go do something else as well. This is just what you see me doing here with this coach in this system. But I can go and do anything you need me to do because I'm that much of an athlete, and he is a supreme athlete. Like, he didn't run – he didn't blaze 4-3-1-40. 4-4 is fast. For those who didn't know, 4-4 is fast, you know, and, and he can jump. He played basketball. He knows how to jump, box out, rebound, all of that stuff. It all translates to his game on the football field. And these analysts, when they're looking at stuff, they just want to pick apart everything, especially in the combine phase. They want to pick apart everything when you have your Henry Ruggs and your CeeDee Lambs and all of these guys blazing 40s. And then he just, oh, he just ran a 4-4. Oh, that's pretty good for him. Like, no, that's fast. What are you talking about? Like, some of the best receivers have run 4-5s at the combine. So, no, nah, he, he, man, this dude is good. He's going to be good for a long time. They just got to make sure that they have the, the right him in the right system the quarterback that's throwing him the ball, everything has to be clicking. That's the hard part about a wide receiver. Everything has to be clicking for you to get the ball. You're kind of predicated on everybody else. And that is something that we have discussed on this podcast about getting Justin Jefferson the ball more. And I wonder what you think of the contrasting styles. So I want to get to how Diggs is playing. But the Bills style with Stephon Diggs is exactly what he wants, which is to throw Stephon Diggs the ball all the time. And, hey, good idea. I mean, right? Like this is uh, what we were saying in Minnesota last year. Like if Stephon Diggs says throw me the ball more, I think you should probably just do that because – Uh, It is a tried-and-true model with great wide receivers that if they're great, they're going to make plays, and he's done that. With Jefferson, he's a rookie, so he's not going to say, "Uh, hey, what the hell's going on, guys? I should have more than whatever number of targets. I shouldn't have five targets in a game that we lose. Like, you shouldn't let the other team take me out of the game to even any extent. And with his ability to run after catch, I feel like there's some opportunities to take – uh, carries off of Delvin Cook and in a way put them on Justin Jefferson with screen passes, whatever else. Um, I, I wonder what you think of the philosophy difference, though, between a team that wants to throw a good number of short passes to someone like Diggs versus the guy who is just going down the field looking for 20, 30, 40 yard plays all the time, which is kind of what they've done with Jefferson. I think it's all based on the quarterback. And it's not even the, the arm strength of the quarterback. If you're playing quarterback in the NFL, you have enough arm strength to be able to get the ball down the field somewhat. Um, I think that the systems, like you look at the Patriots for a long time, they weren't a team that threw the ball down the field a ton of times. You know I mean? They would do, when they had Randy Moss, yes, they did it because they had Randy Moss. But for the most part, they were dink and dunk. And Tom Brady was just picking you apart, you know, and then boom, we'll go down the field with one big play. Um, and I think that's based on your coach, the offensive coordinator, just understanding the players, the talent that he has. The biggest thing is get the ball into the hands of the playmakers and let them make plays. Whether that's down the field, whether that's wide receiver screens, it doesn't matter. Just get the ball into their hands and let them make plays. Don't try to put everything on the quarterback's shoulders, especially in Minnesota when you have – I mean, right now you have a guy who can you can really throw the ball down the field to. But I'm telling you, teams are going to start to key in on that. And they're not going to be able to continuously throw the ball down the field field all the time to him so he's going to get those wide receiver screens he's going to have to make something out of nothing a lot more than he has to do right now um when you look at a Stefan Diggs yeah he's been in the league for a little while I think when he was there you know Stefan wide receivers want the ball they want to get into a rhythm like I said everything else has to click for a wide receiver to get the ball 
you got a pretty good receiver on the other side in Adam Thielen who's going to get the ball. I mean, the dude is a fantasy stud. You know what I mean? Like, he's getting, like, ten targets a game. And so that's going to take away from your targets. And it's not to say that he's upset with Thielen or anything like that. But he's just like, yo, I want mine too, you know. And so he, he finds himself wanting to be out of that system. Go ahead and do your thing. I'm going to go over here and do my thing. Now you got a young rookie wide receiver. Hopefully Justin Jefferson can stay humble. But you got to imagine by the time you get to year three, four, five with Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen's going to be on the downside. And you're going to be getting Justin Jefferson a lot more targets, you know. And so right now it's just working out because you have Jefferson, you have Thielen, you have Cook. It's kind of like a, a very good trio of stars that you have there. Yeah, and I think that the downfield option can work, and it has worked for Gary Kubiak for a long time where you're running play actions and you're running bootlegs and things like that. But as you mentioned, there have been times, whether it was Diggs or Jefferson, where opposing teams start to put pressure on the quarterback on those bootlegs, even Green Bay sending their edge rusher upfield rather than chasing the run uh, down the down the line of scrimmage. And, and then what? You know, and, and it's kind of like when their main thing is taken away, then they have some trouble adjusting and I guess I I would think that they're going to have to eventually realize that this guy can make a 40-yard play out of nothing so you should probably give him the opportunity to do that um with with the digs thing you know I was watching the Bills game against Arizona uh Donald and I thought they really protect this quarterback don't they like they really protect Josh Allen with a lot of easy stuff, a lot of short underneath stuff. Where it really stuck out to me was it was, I think, third and seven, third and eight. And he throws a bubble screen to Diggs. And they were basically saying, like, we're not putting this on our quarterback. We're going to put this on our wide receiver to try and make a play. And I, I think that Diggs is basically the perfect security blanket for a quarterback who needs one. Like when Case Keenum was here, it was perfect. Throw it to Stephon Diggs. He'll make you right, uh, even if it's not a perfect throw. And it seems like it's been the same thing in Buffalo with Josh Allen. I think that um, unless you had the elite of the elite, the Brady when he was in his prime, the Drew Brees, the Pat Mahomes, uh, Russell Wilson, you know, unless you have these types of guys that are playing quarterback, you got to take that pressure off of them, you know, so you get the ball into the hands of the playmakers. Like, get the ball. A lot of these guys that are playing receiver in the league play, like, running back in high school and all of that stuff. They know how to catch. They know how to run. And so just get the ball into the hands as fast as possible. Get your lineman out there in front of them and let those guys run around and make the plays instead of trying to have your quarterback drop back and read and read and read. Oh, boom, I got somebody open. And see Josh Allen. I mean, when you look back to him in college, he wasn't that type of guy. I mean, he wasn't the guy who can sit back there, go through his entire progression, and and find the open man like the elite of the elite. So I think they are protecting him, and they're protecting that offense and trying not to just put everything on his shoulders and sitting back there in the pocket and read everything and make sure that he, he find, goes through his progression and hits the right man because he has shown to not do that. He has. I mean, he's trying to make some very bad decisions with the ball. And so I think they're now just trying to keep him from doing that. And it's not a knock on him, but he's still a young quarterback in the league. He still has a lot to learn. And so he's had some accuracy issues, and he's not the guy who is seeing wide receivers open. He's the guy who throws to a guy when he's open. And so they're doing what they have to do to protect themselves and him. 
2020 has already reshaped how we work and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time and there are no long-term contracts. And now, Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria and that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. 73% of online job seekers in the U.S., Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is the best offer you're going to find anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. Football is in full swing, and you might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season, from game spreads and totals to team and player and coaching props. Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Yeah, and uh, I will ask you something more about that in a second because I'm very curious if you think that they ultimately pay Josh Allen a, a huge contract. Actually, why don't you just answer that now because that's a good question. Do you think they do? I think that I think they do, and I think it's going to be a mistake. Like even though he's played really well this year, I'm just seeing Carson Wentz all over again. That it's like. You have digs to help you out. You have a good offensive system that's really built to protect you. And then you have to make a big time throw here or there and, and you can win. But I think that there's a lot of quarterbacks in the year 2020 that can also win with the same setup. Like if Andy Dalton is the Bills quarterback, if Cam Newton is the Bills quarterback, like you're probably winning a good, a good amount of games. So I don't know about spending all that cap space on a guy who has so many flaws you have to work around, but I can tell from my Twitter he's really popular now that he's playing well, and that's going to have ownership being like, we got to keep him. They're playing well. The head coach and the GM, Brandon Bean, they know what they're looking at when they see him. Like When they know the mistakes, it shows up. When I'm watching him on film or when he makes a mistake, it's like, boom, that's what you saw coming out of college, and it's the same mistake. But the, to the basic fan, they don't understand really what they're looking at. All they see is a guy who he makes plays with his legs, he hypes the crowd up. He hypes his team up. You have the backing of the team. And then you'll see him make a big throw. But then all of a sudden, you'll see him make just like, what? Where was he throwing that ball to? You know, I mean, he missed John Brown earlier, like the first game of the year. He was, when I mean wide open, I mean wide open. And he threw this ball probably five, ten feet over his head. And it was like, yo, what, what was he just throwing? And so, ultimately, do they pay him? Yes, they will pay him. Um he is very much well-liked up there, as you've seen. I mean, they just raised $700,000 in honor of his grandmother and all that stuff. You know, I mean, they, they love him up there in Buffalo. I mean, they love him. 
the fans are like, yo, this is our franchise quarterback. But to someone who really watches film and knows and knows what they're watching, you can see, and hopefully it doesn't end up bad for them, but you can see the makings of, yes, a Carson Wentz or any of the rest of these quarterbacks that have gotten paid and then gone on to do nothing else after they got paid. You know, it's just you never really seen that growth and, and that maturity to the next level. Like, I, don't, I look at Josh Allen, I don't even see Pat Mahomes in Josh Allen. Pat Mahomes, to me, is a guy who, I mean, he took, he, he, you see him, like, just make crazy plays. You know, on a consistent basis, week in, week out. You don't see him like this week, he's great. Then next week, it's a horrible decision with a ball who loses the team the game. I mean, you see him like kind of elevating his game to the next level. When you look at Russell Wilson, you've always seen him get better. I don't necessarily see Josh Allen getting better week in and week out. You'll see him have a very good week. And the next week, it's like, oh, my gosh, this guy. It's just, you know, but, yeah, they're going to pay him because they love him up in Buffalo. It's just what it is. And he's a guy who, you know, I mean, they're winning with him as a quarterback. So, of course, they're going to pay him. Yeah, and that's something that, interestingly, the Vikings organization didn't do with Case Keenum. They did not pay him because they looked at his body of work in the tape and said, you know what, he's probably not going to be able to continue doing this and win 13 games a year because it was kind of a high-variance type of year. And the thing with someone like Josh Allen is that those negative plays never go away. Like the, the the high ones for everyone except for Wilson and Mahomes and Rodgers, the high ones kind of come and go, but the negative plays, this is maybe a Matt Stafford problem. It's like Stafford is a good quarterback, but he always has sacks. He always has bad picks. He throws right. a screen right. pass to J.J. Watt for a touchdown uh, and things like that. And I think that that's always hurt the Lions because Stafford always has these negative plays. Uh, now, from – I remember when the Bills traded for Stephon Diggs, I sent you a message and I said, I think as a receiver, you're going to enjoy watching this um, because yeah. because yeah. The, the potential for him in terms of statistically speaking, which is what everyone looks at first, was higher uh, from what I was watching up close and personal than what his numbers suggested. So give me your wide receiver trained eye take as you have mentioned several times about you uh having the trained eye watching the tape so tell me stefan diggs first of all that trade and then picking up justin jefferson i mean that, that's it's like i think it's gonna work out beautifully for both teams you can't really say that one team lost anything in making that move you know because they went and they drafted jefferson and hopefully for years to come he is the true number one wide receiver that they're going to want him to be, especially when Thielen is out of there, um, which is going to come in the next couple of years, you know? So I think that trade is, is going to go down in history as like, yo, that was a great trade. When you look at Stefan Diggs, I mean, he is, he is fun to watch. He makes plays down the field. You can throw wide, you can throw screens to him. He makes plays in that way. He catches the ball in all types of crazy angles, all of that stuff. I mean, he, that dude is good. He is fun to watch. My son loves to watch him play. Um, I, I hope that they can get, like, a big body receiver on the other side of him at some point to really take some pressure off of him. And I hope that Josh Allen doesn't continue to stare him down because it's going to get him hurt at some point because of how much he actually stares at him and trying to get him the ball, you know. You can just see him, like, just waiting, waiting, come open, come open, come open so I can throw it to you. That ends up getting wide receivers hurt. 
Uh, but I think ultimately, man, it, it's fun to watch Stephon Diggs play. And this is going back to these analysts and all these guys that get paid a whole lot of money to analyze these guys coming out of college. I mean, you look at him now, and obviously he's developed into what he is now. He might not have been that good coming out of college, but, yo, you can't tell me he couldn't have went higher in the draft. You know, and that's where he's like, y'all get paid a whole lot of money to be wrong all the time. <laughs> yeah, you're you are right about that. I did uh, I did an entire piece about the 2015 draft that Diggs was in, and just you know what they missed uh, about him. And if you look at what he did with the ball in his hands at Maryland, he was great, except for yeah. they didn't have good quarterback play, which is going to impact what uh, you know happens with the receiver and his numbers and so forth. Right, right. So uh, before I let you go, Donald, because it's been fun, I mean, you said that um, you feel like this is going to be an even trade digs for Jefferson. I agree with you. The Vikings get ahead a little by the fact that Jefferson is on a rookie contract. That's good for them. Where it is not good for them is that they they had to trade Stephon Diggs because he was miserable playing for them. And that's where you lose because you could have had Stephon Diggs and Justin Jefferson had Stefan Diggs been happy with playing with your organization. And I guess, so as we look at it, like long-term the Vikings could win this trade as they go forward, that they could look at it as, you know, great, great job us. We just traded out one great receiver for the other, but I, I kind of hesitate a little to say that because I I think that it's a a skill to have players be happy with playing with your organization. So I'm not sure I want to give them the huge, uh, or or I want to say it's exactly even. Well, when you think about the trade that they had to make with Stefan Diggs, he wasn't happy in that system. And there are a couple of different reasons why. First of all, as a receiver or as a player in this league, you want to be the best. When I want to be the best, I want the ball. In order for me to be the best, I got to score. I want to, I, it's just what it is. When you have Thielen on the other side, he's going to get his targets. It's just what it is. So, so Diggs is not going to get the targets that he wants. That's the first part of it. The second part of it, or maybe that's the second part of it. The first part of it is you guys have a quarterback up there. He's not the elite of the elite who can spread the ball around to everybody. It's just, it's just the nature of it. Josh Allen is not either. Josh Allen actually is just forcing the ball to digs, and so he's happy. But when you have the elite quarterbacks that can just get everybody the ball, whoever is open, you're going to get the ball. The Drew Breeses, the Russell Wilsons. I mean, you can't really name too many wide receivers that are like, yo, I don't like playing there in Seattle because he can spread the ball to everybody. And so I think ultimately they need to get a top-tier quarterback in Minnesota to keep Justin Jefferson and everybody else happy because right now they have to truly lean on the running game, which opens it up for everybody else because they don't have the elite quarterback that can get everybody the ball. And until they have that, that's what will keep everybody happy. And you won't be able to keep players when you don't have that elite quarterback. And just at that moment, Donald Jones' phone cut out. So that was pretty much the interview anyway. And I appreciate if you've made it this far, all of you taking the time to listen. Make sure, by the way, you go check out Making of a Miracle, my book about the 2017 Vikings season. And by the way, if you want to give a gift to someone, gifting a subscription to Purple Insider is a pretty good idea, purpleinsider.substack.com, and we'll catch you next time after Vikings and Panthers.